you know that one of the most famous lines in all of sports history <clears throat> is Al Michaels' rhetorical question towards the end of the 1980 Olympic hockey match between the USA and the USSR, where he said, do you believe in miracles? He said a little louder than that, but... This 1980 Olympics was held in Lake Placid, New York, and the United States was hosting the Soviet Union during the medal round of the men's hockey tournament. <clears throat> Just to give you kind of the landscape of why he would say something like that, the USSR had won five gold medals out of the last six Olympics. They had won four gold medals in a row, so that's 16 years, Winter Olympics, USSR winning the gold medal. They were heavy favorites. Now the United States was the youngest team in the tournament and on ice it was the youngest US national team in history. But even though the, the Soviet Union had that kind of history and actually had veterans all that had played internationally with great experience the American players had no international experience. The United States upset USSR and won 4-3 to three and went on to win the gold medal in that year. And it was called, that game was called, The Miracle on Ice. They called it a miracle because it went against all odds. It was expected to go the other way. Everything you could see told you that it was next to impossible for the USA to win. The entire world believed that. Everyone but Herb Brooks, who was their coach, and those in the U.S. locker room. But was it a miracle? No, not at all. It was completely unpredicted and totally unexpected, but a miracle is when the truly impossible happens. And today we're going to look at a miracle. We're going to see a man who was promised the impossible, the truly impossible. However, his miracle was one he had to wait for. His miracle was promised to him years before it came to pass. That man was Abraham, and his promise was a son. So in our passage today, we're going to focus on how Abraham held on to this promise for a miracle for decades before it came to pass. How did he trust God in the midst of that? Another question is, why would this be a topic for us this morning? It's because I believe that we have what feels like impossible situations to deal with in our everyday lives. It feels like we need daily miracles. We need to see God move. We're living in a time full of trials and challenges and overall change in our lives that's coming in an unprecedented way at an unprecedented pace. So, in the midst of this, how do we trust God? How do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of these storms? I believe that as we look to Abraham and Sarah, and we see how they responded to God and the promise of God, that's a good place to start. So open your Bibles, follow along as I begin reading Romans 8, beginning in verse 14. Referring to Abraham, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. 
so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So this morning, if there's one main idea I'd like for you to walk away from as we look at this text, it would be this. God is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. God is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. And I'd like to look at this passage in in two points, or separated in two points. The first point would be trusting the promise, and the second point is trusting the promise maker. So as we open the Word of God, would you please allow me to lead us as we go to prayer? Father, we thank you for this access that we have to you. We can come in prayer at any time. And Father, I'm aware of my need. Father, I'm looking to an audience of people that are hungry to hear of your word. And I pray your grace to be able to preach effectively and to bring the truth of your word to bear for our lives, that we can live to bring you glory. Father, bless me today. Bless us today. Be with us as we look at your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first point, trusting the promise. Let's first look at what was the promise that God made to Abraham. So the promise that he made was given in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, and then we, again we see it right before our text in verse 17, where God said, Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. So God was promising Abraham that he would have a biological son, an heir, and Abraham would become the father of many nations. God had made other promises to Abraham as well. He had called Abraham in Genesis 12 to leave his homeland and to move to another land, to move to Canaan, and that God would give Canaan to him and his descendants. God promised that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. He was 75 years old when he responded to the call of God and left his homeland. And fulfillment of that promise wouldn't take place until another 25 years had passed. Then we see in Genesis 17 how Abraham was told by God that the promise would be fulfilled this next year. He and Sarah would have a son. And scripture records that their age, Abraham 100, Sarah 90. So obviously, way past childbearing age. It was clear that this was just not unlikely. This was impossible. So how did Abraham respond? What we see in verse 18, that Abraham trusted God. He didn't look to his own understanding as he looked at his own life, as he looked at his own body, as he looked at his history. He placed his hope and trust in God. It wasn't based on what he saw in himself, but based on what he knew about God. Not based on the situation or his circumstances, but based on what he knew and experienced of 
the power of God. Again, in verse 18, it says, In hope he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations, as he had been told. In hope, he believed against hope. What that's saying is, in hope, his hope in God, his hope in who he knew God to be, that God was the one who gives promises and fulfills it. In hope, he believed, what, against hope. That hope is referring to his own natural hope his own view of himself, his own understanding of a situation. So in his hope for God, he believed that over his hope that he saw in himself. Douglas Moo puts it this way, faith is based on God's word, not on the evidence of our senses. Abraham fully confronted the physical impossibility that he and Sarah would have children. But he did not keep him. But this did not keep him from believing that God would do exactly as he had promised. In church, for you and I, God will do exactly as he had promised. Just like with Abraham and Sarah. Tim Keller, in his commentary on Romans, describes what could be the thinking behind Abraham's example to us. He says this, this shows that faith is not the absence of thinking, but rather the profound insistence on acting out of measured reflection instead of just reacting to circumstances. We can imagine him reasoning it out, speaking of Abraham. If there is a creator God at all, and I know there is, he must have all power. There can be no limit to it. God knows Sarah and I are both old, but he's the one who hung the sun and the moon and scattered the stars like sand with both hands. It is ridiculous to think that our age presents such a being with an obstacle. Faith is thinking about God and focusing on facts about him. Isn't that well said? Faith is focusing upon the facts about God. It's found by looking to God. Because our faith must have an object. The object of Abraham's faith was his God. In hope, he believed against hope. The passage goes on to give us more insight as we look in verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. For Abraham, faith was not found in just not thinking about the challenges or looking the other way or trying to ignore the facts. No, he openly considered everything around him and he still placed his hope on God and therefore on the promise of God. He considered his own body as good as dead in regard to child rearing, but he didn't weaken in his faith. He considered the barrenness, or that word can be translated the deadness of Sarah's womb. They had never had children. Their long marriage, and now Sarah was well past the age for bearing children. Abraham was acknowledging these very real difficulties, but choosing to trust the promise that had been given to he and Sarah. God was promising 
the impossible. And Abraham was continuing to trust God. Even in verse 20, we see no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. His hope against hope, even looking at their physical condition in comparison to the promise of God, no unbelief made him waver, no second-guessing, no questioning. The promise that he received from God, he trusted in God. Abraham had a settled hope that the promise of God was sure. That's the promise made. Now let's look at the promise maker. My father was a hero to me. My father passed away in, in 2000. He's a great man. But I never remember him making a promise to me as a boy growing up or as an adult later in life that he did not fulfill. I could trust him. If my dad made a promise to me or anyone, I knew him. And I knew I could trust him. And I would encourage you to trust him too if you knew him. See, Abraham knew God, the promise maker. He knew God was able to keep his promise. Therefore, Abraham could hope in this promise because his faith was the one who was making the promise. His faith was in God, the promise maker. Abraham knew that God would do what he had promised. Even after 25 years of waiting for the fulfillment of this promise, he didn't waver in unbelief, but grew strong in his faith. How did he not waver? How did he not, instead of wavering, even grew in his strength, the strength of his faith? Because he wasn't looking to his circumstances, because he was looking to the promise. You see, in verses 20, verse 20, it says, He gave glory to God, what? Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Fully convinced. John Piper says this, This is what faith is. It is the strong assurance that God's promises are good and that he can and will perform them. And the heart of the promise is seen to fulfill the more our faith gives glory to God. Let me give you an example of what I believe is being said here about Abraham's faith giving glory to God. In years past, Charlotte and I have had the responsibility to oversee and even teach in children's ministry. One particular Sunday, years and years ago, I was teaching the children about faith. And I would have one of the children stand, ask them to close their eyes, and I would be behind them so they could hear my voice, and I would say, okay, now fall back. Well, it, it took faith to believe that I would catch them. Some of them didn't know me well, and so th they were insecure and hesitant. So I did something. I asked one of my children to get in front of me, close their eyes, and to fall back. And there was no hesitation. Then I did this. 
I took my daughter and I asked one of my boys to come behind her and with her eyes closed, I walked in front of her. And I said, okay, now I'd like for you to fall back. Of course, I'm in front, but she trusted my word or my promise. She fell back right into her brother's arms. You see, trusting is an expression of our faith. And as what, what that was showing is they believed and were proclaiming by their action and their faith that they believed that I was a man of my word, that my promise could be trusted, that faith in me would not be thwarted. This is what Abraham is doing. He's bringing glory to God because he's saying, I trust what my God says and I'm going to live my life based on what he has said, not based on what the world sees, not based on what I feel, not based on what's going on, but on God says, that rules, that reigns. I can trust the promise maker. You see, we're all called to give glory to God in our lives. That's our purpose on earth, is to give glory to him. Abraham began with God. He looked to the promise of God, not to his circumstances. Abraham trusted God as we read about him in Genesis. But church, we, we have so many more reasons to trust God than Abraham did. We have the content of the Old Testament where we're reading stories about God promising fulfilled, promising fulfilled, promising fulfilled. He promised his nation, the Israelites, would be delivered from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, fulfilled that promise, brought him to Canaan, which he promised to Abraham. Years later, in the exile, he promised to care for his people. He was with Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Even his promise to bring the word to Nineveh, he saves his prophet Jonah with a whale. We have story after story, event, circumstance, recording of the faithfulness of God. God is a faithful promise keeper. The church's greatest demonstration of being faithful to his promise was seen in the incarnation and the miracle of the virgin birth where our Lord came to bring salvation, promised the restoration of the people of God. So we look to the promises God has made to his people. Look at his promises. They're found in his word. And through Christ, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior becomes a child of God, has access to these promises. They're your promises. They're my promises. Because they're from a promise maker who we can trust and who knows us. And that church we should trust over our circumstances, even as Abraham did. And as we look to the promises, isn't that a way of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus? Isn't that a way of looking to God in the midst of our struggles? Well, let's look at some of the promises, some of your promises, because we have challenges. 
in this particular season of life. You don't have to look far to see him. So, first of all, are you wearied by all that's being asked of you in life, at work, whatever? Look to the promise of power seen in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And you're the I in that sentence. How about feeling alone? Look to the promise of God's active presence with you. In Matthew 28.20, the last thing he said before he ascended, and behold, I am with you always, where? Even to the end of the age. If you find yourself fearful because you don't see enough change happening, look to the promise of his power at work, even that we don't see, Romans 8, 28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You hear the echo of these promises into your life? How about fearful that we see too much change happening? Look to the promise that Jesus is in control of your life. In John 16, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our Lord reigns. He is supreme. How about if you're unsure about a growing fear of the future? Well, look to the promise of his care in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Are you feeling weak and you feel trouble is becoming too great? Well, turn to Psalm 46, 1 and 2. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Are you concerned about a growing worldliness pressing in from the culture? Well, look at the promise of Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and overcome them, for he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And the promises go on and on. You need grace for your life? Grace is power to do what you can't do. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. For my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. You feel like everything's against you? Well, Romans 8, 31. If God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him for, his all, for us all, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? And it's on and on and on. God is with us. God is the promise maker, and you have been given the promise, church. Let this override our circumstances so that we look to God. And when you turn on the radio and you hear advertisements, typically at the end of the advertisement, there's some kind of disclaimer, some kind of legal communication that usually is going so fast you can't understand it anyway but it'll give the disclaimer. Well, this isn't for these cities or countries or states or, you know, this and in this situation. But church, there's no disclaimer. As I read the promises of God, there's no disclaimer. It's yours in Christ. So the question, as I conclude, are we like Abraham and Sarah? There's a hymn by Kelso Carter that I think expresses the heart of Abraham and Sarah. His hymn, the chorus goes like this, standing on the promises that cannot fail, 
when the howling winds of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. And that a joy. They stood on the promises of God, and so can we. The promise of God that we've read for Abraham and the promises that we see for ourselves. So church, do we believe in miracles? Yes, we do. <laughs> we see them as he fulfills his promises in our everyday lives because God is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. So church, let's live in the good of the promises that God has given to us each and every day as believers. And if you're not a believer this morning and you're here, thank you for being here or listening online. Thank you for listening. Talk to a believer. Understand the glorious gospel message that whosoever believes in him, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have life everlasting. It's the message of the gospel. Talk to a Christian. Understand that as you look to Christ, that he died for your sin, that you would be free from your sin. That these promises as a child of God can be yours as well. In church, let's remember we have a final promise coming where God is coming back to make all things new. We're looking forward to that promise as we experience these promises. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word and how you've recorded for us the truth of your heart towards us that we see in your promises to us. Father, as a church, we look for your help. Lead us, and may we keep our eyes fixed on you, looking to you. When we're in need, that we look to see where your promises intersect into our lives and our need. And Father, may, like Abraham and Sarah, we look to you, and in hope, believing against all hope, because we're fully convinced that you are able to do all that you have promised. It's in your name we pray. Amen.